Hello, and welcome to Lit by Moonlight, where it's not a phase to make a very long and drawn-out documentary about your parents. <laughs> For <laughs> yeah. some reason. Um, when you're supposed to, you know, just be living your life, doing things that normal young people do. I think we should all make documentaries about our parents. You know, as soon as I said that, I agreed with you, because I would love to know, like, what a documentary of my parents would be like yeah i think in a way i hope this inspires someone to make a documentary about their parents and if they do please send me the link i would like to watch it so this week we are discussing the final two episodes of daisy jones and the six episode nine and episode ten can't believe it's already over it feels like it again it just feels like it just started but which yeah in a way it did because it only lasted a month but wow march has flown by yeah at the end and we made it. <laughs> I like that you just, I know you just have to put your calendar. And I think that's really funny. Yeah, I, I had <laughs> a double check. I'm like, what is, is it over? <laughs> is it? I'm not sure. But yes, we are talking about Daisy Jones and the Six. And in these episodes, we start with Daisy recovering from her near overdose to a crowd of adoring fans and amended relationship with Billy. The band is playing at Saturday Night Live. Woohoo. They made it. So what's happening to Simone? while the band's playing in SNL. Simone is signing her record deal on one condition. She must keep her relationship with Bernie private because, you know, homophobia. Um, and Karen has also learned that she is pregnant with Graham's baby. So yeah. just chill things happening all around. Everything is going so well. So at the SNL after party, Teddy has a heart attack. Daisy and oh, Billy reflect on what has brought them to this moment. After playing a successful show back home in Pittsburgh, Daisy proposes that Billy and she be together, which Billy rejects, clarifying that their relationship worked best with them being creative partners. Camila sees them talking, which confirms for her once and for all that Daisy and Billy are having an affair. She confronts him about this. The final mm -hmm. episode of Daisy Jones and the Six opens with their last concert together in Chicago. And uh, it also opens with the, uh, I guess it'd be like a cue card or like a credit card that says, um, this is their last concert. And we are oh, taken yeah. from that point on through the polarizing events of the day that led up to this final night. And those include Karen having an abortion against Graham's wishes for a child. Eddie just kind of being like the usual Eddie. worst fucking person <laughs> ever. Um, and uh, him also admitting to Billy, who is on the cusp of losing Camila forever, that he slept with her, which is like an insane yeah. and very stupid thing to do. Like, yeah. so it's so funny. There's like a meme where it's like someone does something with and has the expected outcome, and then they're shocked when they get the expected outcome. Like yeah. that always gets me with Eddie. He's always he has such a victim complex because he's like, oh, like I'm gonna do something bad, and then I'm gonna admit it, and then he gets punched in the face, and he's like shocked. It's like, why are you shocked? Why are you shocked? <laughs> Why are you? It's like the dead dove meme from Arrested Development. Just like there's a <laughs> there's a dead dove in this bag, and he opens it and he goes, "I don't know what I expected." <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> like if I tell Billy that I slept with Camila, he's gonna be pissed, and then Billy gets pissed, and he's just like, "What? Oh my what? God. <laughs> <laughs> the consequences of my own actions? Wild." <laughs> so meanwhile, Daisy is spiraling due to her feelings for Billy in the sense that she can no longer be in this band if it means playing with the man she loves like every night for the rest of her life it sounds yep. like torture so she's begun using cocaine again and billy has also begun drinking again and they're both kind of on mm. their last leg emotionally um warren is just doing his thing he's just chilling. <laughs> he's just is persistently slaying he's like dating an actress <laughs> like a movie star like he just all he does is win it, i know he does like it makes you wonder it's like how how did this man slide by? <laughs> I think I think part of it, we'll talk about it later, but I think part of it is just gratitude. Like, he knows what he has. He doesn't take it for granted. He's just, like, yep. he's a total babe about it. Um, they play their best concert yet, and that concert concludes with Daisy kind of letting Billy go once and for all. She sings Honeycomb, which is a song that's been requested over and over again by fans, all by herself uh, while Billy runs to catch Camila. And then Daisy Jones and the Six concludes with the band 20 years later, reminiscing on this night as they are interviewed by a documentarist revealed to be Billy and Camila's daughter, Julia. We also learn that Camila has died of cancer and she leaves Billy and Daisy with a wish at the end of her interview for them to reconnect. 
The end. Yay! <laughs> Yay! We made it. I should add, at some point during all of this, Simone gets back together with Bernie and um, oh yeah, reg- like doesn't end up going moving forward with uh, her record contract. I think she could sign someplace else. Anyway, everything kind of works for her in the end. Go, go Simone. <laughs> yeah, you is, go, girl. As it should. <laughs> if anyone deserves a good career and good outcomes, it's Simone. Truly. And Warren. like And Warren. <laughs> the, yeah. the most unproblematic people. So, yeah. Who are you? I'm Caitlin. And the other day, I binged the entirety of Severance, thinking that season two already happened (laughs) and was out. So when I got to the end of episode nine of season one, I was like, wow, thank God I don't have to wait very long for season two, only to then be immediately told that season two had only just begun filming and it's not going to come out until next year. So needless to say, I'm going insane because, oh my God, what a show. Cruel. Evil. Who are you? I'm Amberlynn, and it has been over 48 hours since I have seen Miss Taylor Allison Swift in concert. Are you a changed person? A very, I'm, I, I walked out of there with a sense of superiority that I think will mean that I will probably never be humbled. Like, something bad could happen to me, and I'd still be like, whatever, I fucking saw Taylor live in, like, the first row, so you can't fucking, you can't step on me. Like, so, (laughs) I literally, like, what's that, that TikTok sound that's like, am I? better than everyone better than everyone yeah yeah that's how i felt um (laughs) so i'm a changed person forever yes um i love this for you but right now we're talking about a different concert a different musical moment and that is that of the six so caitlin i am wondering what is your hook for this episode so mine was when they played gold dust woman (laughs) immediately in the beginning yeah I was like, oh, okay, they're really on the nose for this one. They're like, oh, our music sounds a lot like Fleetwood Mac, so guess what? Stevie Nicks, baby, let's go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big choice. Big choice yep. was made. Now, it, well, this, because, I mean, I know it's just playing as background music, but now it makes me yeah. wonder so violently if, like, this is the implication that, like, Fleetwood Mac exists in this universe as well. And if so... I think we got a big problem on our hands legally. <laughs> like, I know we talked last week about how funny it would be if Fleetwood Mac also existed in this universe, but with the yeah. assumption that it didn't. So the fact that it does, possibly, is kind of funny to me. <laughs> like, right. I mean, first of all, great song. But then again, it's yeah. so funny they use this song because this song has an allusion to shadows and so does The River, which we also talked about last yeah. week. So it's yeah. just like, it's like they heard us and they were like, oh, we'll just play right into your hand. Um, <laughs> but They're like, we know. Like, yeah, we know. we know. We know what we did. <laughs> <laughs> so did you have any favorite quotes from these two episodes? So many. I mean, I'll just say right now, I had such an enjoyable time watching these last few episodes, like more than yeah. I have this entire season. Um, I think Daisy's relationship with Rod is really funny. Um, yeah, <laughs> which is played by Timothy Oliphant. Um, <laughs> Timothy Oliphant. 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 Is that it? It's like elephant, but with an owl. Oliphant. Okay. So when she goes, you know what, Rod? I don't know what you're thinking. I'm the fire. When he's like, why is there any more fire in the show? Um, yeah. Like she's because, and I just kind of appreciate that about Daisy. Is like she kind of just knows herself regardless. Like she's not willing to let anybody step on her or this idea that like she needs to be doing more when she is by herself the most. Like, right. Yeah. I really love that. And then when she's walking past some children and into moms, and, and the mom says, "Oh, like." She wants to be just like you about her daughter, and she leans down, and this is, I think, a line from the book as well that really got me. She says, dream Mm -hmm. bigger, little bird. Uh, fuck you. (laughs) Like. Little bird. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah. Little bird. Literally adapting that into my vocabulary right away. And then when, uh, when Simone and Bernie are talking, and Simone's talking about her record deal, and she says, this is what I've always wanted. And Bernie says, and here I thought I was. I was like, "Mm." Oh, yeah. "Mm." Like, I was sipping my tea. I was like, Wow. (laughs) I love when Daisy says when they're talking on the patio and she's kind of talking with him and they're writing a song or they're working together and she says to Billy, I just had a vision of us in 20 years from now. And I was like, I just kind of nodded like, 
Oh, did you? <laughs> did you now? Did what you? does that mean? I wonder. That's just a throwaway line, right? <laughs> I know. And then when Billy said he thought Eddie liked being slighted, I kind of died because oh. I kind of super agree with that. Like, I feel like Eddie loves to, like, get himself into situations where he's the victim and then complain about it and then be like, yeah. this is what happened to me. And it's just so funny to me because I, I really, like – First of all, Billy kind of, he kind of read Eddie, like, in these scenes, because I yeah. know they've got some beef, but, like, I don't know. And when he said that, I was kind of like, mm, hmm. Ooh, maybe he does. Another line between Daisy and Rod, when Daisy walks up to Rod and says, you look scared, Rod, and you should be. And you should be, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then during the concert, they have this great banter, Billy and Daisy do, and when he goes to introduce her, he says, don't make me say it. And she goes, I want to hear you say it. It just gave me so much like Jade and Alexander uh, from Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros energy. Yeah. Like oh, Jade, yeah, yeah, yeah. Alexander. Alexander. Uh, I was like, I, I was in the tub and I was watching this on my iPad and I was like, oh, <laughs> oh my God, I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> when Daisy at the end, she says, and it's when her and Billy like start hooking up again, like kissing. And mm. he's like, he basically says something like, we're broken together or something. And she goes, I don't want to be broken. And that's how she kind of says, no, like, fuck you, go away. And I respect that. Like, she kind of, yeah. I feel like this was her moment to realize that, like, Billy was bad for her and she was yeah. bad for Billy and they were bad for each other and that she would not survive if she kept on with him. And yeah. I was like, I was like at home, like nodding. I was like, certified well, bad bitch moment. <laughs> Especially since, like, in the beginning of the season when, he, like, Billy tells Daisy that she's broken. And she's like, I'm not broken. Yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah. literally, like, get out of here with that. And then he says that to her. I feel like that uh-huh. was, like, a good makeup call. It's like, oh, cool. He didn't listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, I am not ruin, yeah. I'm ruination, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wolf, wolf. Big genuine Saffin. Bark, energy. bark. When Julia and Billy are talking at the very end on the bench about Camila after Camila has passed, he says, I would hand it all back to you for one minute with her, or one more minute with her. I was like, mm, yeah, I bet you would. <laughs> yeah, I bet you would. <laughs> I fucking bet you would. Like, maybe you should have been better to her when she was around then. But also, I don't know, like, I get it. At some point, someone said, I don't know who said this, but I have it here. Nothing in life is ever as simple as we want it to be. It sounds like maybe Daisy. If that were the case, then even so, I was like, I don't know why that really resonated with me in the moment when I was in my tubby tub watching this on my iPad. So... (laughs) On my iPad. Yeah. How about you? Did you have any lines from the show that really stuck with you? I I actually had a lot of quotes for us. I don't know this these episodes were funny to me I don't think they were supposed to be but I also watched this at six in the morning so um I don't know if it was just like that's why but there were some bangers um the first one was when Warren was like I was dating a movie star yeah. and he's like yay <laughs> like, like he's again just vibing he's just having a great time and so I just I thought that was so funny mm-hmm. they were having a party and Chuck Lovin comes and it's like the first time we've seen him since the very first episode and he's like has like this whole career and he's like a doctor now because I think he's like a dentist right or something Mm -hmm. and um I think it's Warren who goes Dr. Lovin sounds like a skin flick (laughs) that was so funny and then but then like Chuck just starts like flexing on his financial security and he's just like I'm like why are you even here and you're just gonna come and be like yeah okay cool that you guys are a successful band but like I have money now, and, like, I a mortgage, also thought that was so funny, because, like, he's like, oh, like, you guys probably don't have as much financial security, and they're all, like, platinum record. Yeah. As if point. they, as if, like, they're just, like, a garage band or something. They're like, oh, uh, you should have a beer, Chuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was really funny. Um, I just, and, like, he was literally, he was there for, like, a, like, a few, like, like, a minute at the party, and then what killed me was, like, they flash forward to 20 years and they show him now Mm -hmm. and it's literally just it's one clip of him just like going drug and that was it (laughs) it's like that's what they got him for was was just like he didn't he didn't say a word that i remember like he didn't have any line 20 years later it was just him going yeah got him (laughs) um i i don't remember the complete context of it but i think someone must have said the highs and lows of something 
And to which I made a note that said the highs and lows of wanting to cheat on your wife because I thought of the the line from Riverdale of like you didn't get to experience the highs and lows of high school football. I thought of that too <laughs> when I heard that line. Yeah. yeah. When you were saying that you really liked the relationship between Daisy and Rod, I did too. And one of my favorite lines was when they were at the hotel and Rod's giving them all their hotel room keys and saying like saying like this is when you're supposed to be at sound check. This is what time it is. Please don't be late sound check is this time and he gets to daisy and he goes like four o'clock sound check and she goes and like because she's like always late and like not on time to anything mm-hmm. and she goes to him i want you to think about how boring your life would be without me rod yeah <laughs> like, i just think yeah. that was really funny hilarious billy really like made me so mad these past couple like these last two episodes because it's just him being like I don't see what the problem is, you know? <laughs> and uh, being like, like, you're the problem. It's you. <laughs> and he, I can't remember who he was talking to. If it, I think it was Camila. And he goes, where is this even coming from? I'm like, where do you think? Where do you think? <laughs> the call is coming from inside the house, kid. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, hello? And then when he said, I kissed her once, as if he didn't make out with Daisy in the parking lot. I know. <laughs> like, hello? It was so short. It was so small. <laughs> yeah. It's just a little peck on the lip. It's it just was. a little peck. Yeah. When this next line was said, I wasn't paying full attention. I was, like, writing some notes. But when Eddie said, my grandmother was at that show, you fucking piece of shit. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. <laughs> She's like, how dare you do that? And when my grandma is there. <laughs> Another really good line from Daisy was when she calls her mom. And her mom's just a jerk to her. Because, of oh, course, yeah. she is. She says, goodbye, mother. Next time you want to hear my voice, how about you try the fucking radio? Mm. I was like, ooh. Mm-hmm. Got her. Dear. Two more lines that just made me go, ugh, these guys are the worst, was when Graham said to Karen, you know you're going to be alone forever. You know that, right? I was like, dude, get out of here. And then when Eddie says, I love you, brother, and then at, like on stage when they're introducing everything, Eddie says this, says this to Billy. He's like, I love you, brother. And Billy whispers to him, go fuck yourself. You're done. You're done. <laughs> like, you're done. You're done. I was like, dude. <laughs> you're done. You're done. What was your first peak for this show, Caitlin? So my dad came in and he watched the last episode with me. He has no context for this show. I know I've talked about the book with him before, but... Um, he doesn't remember. So, uh, he, he came in and he watched the last episode and he's like, I thought he said this ironically because it was like the band was on stage and they're performing and he's like, I'm starting to see a lot of Fleetwood Mac here. And I'm like, oh yeah, he's remembering. So I was telling him about the book and about Uh the music and everything. And then later on, like Daisy and Billy are singing and they're looking at each other and my dad goes, Damn, she's looking at him like Stevie looks at Lindsay Buckingham. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> and then <laughs> uh, during the Simone and Daisy performance, Dad looks at me and he goes, "Is this like loosely based off of Fleetwood Mac or something?" Because it's giving like so much of like their vibes. And I'm like, "Are you asking me seriously?" Or and he goes, "Yeah." I'm like, "Yeah, Dad, this is loosely based off Fleetwood Mac." And he goes. Okay, because, like, she's moving around like she's Stevie Nicks and, like, this the music. He goes, I know you talked about the music sounding like it, but, oh, my God, this is literally just Fleetwood Mac. Like, they've got they've got the female keyboardist. you got the drummer. you got all of these, like, everything. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, Dad, you got you it. it. Good job. <laughs> so I just thought that was really funny um, for someone who has no context of the show or the book to lo- take one look at it and go, Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I think it's funny, too, because, like, I recently learned that this book is also loosely based off of the Civil War's breakup, which... Oh, really? Yeah, which I found myself thinking about a lot because Taylor Swift just released um, Safe and Sound, which is a collaboration with Civil War's during the Hunger Games uh, Yeah, soundtrack. I was literally, when you said the Civil War's, is the first thing that came to mind. Yeah. Because I think that's when I found them was because she came out with that. And if you watch, like, if you watch some of their videos from when they first started recording their music together to, like, the very end of their career together, like, uh, like, there's definitely, yeah. I definitely see the elements of them 
that kind of bleed into Daisy Jones and the Six as well. Very like, cool. I don't know why something about them. happened between those two. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't until I heard this the other day, and I went like a research rampage, and I was like, "Whoa, no. um, <laughs> this is crazy." Uh, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. I had a lot of peaks from these last two episodes, especially the last one. I felt mm-hmm. that episode ten was like the strongest episode of the season. Um if not, like, the most interesting. I think if they'd started episode one, the way they started episode ten, um, mm. with their final night in Chicago, in that hook, I would have been absolutely feral, truly, and wonderfully. It would have been <laughs> such a good hook for me. And I just, I mean, the way it starts, the thing that the things that happen in the aftermath of that episode, I just found really interesting and almost probably the most like engaging of anything that's happened in the season daisy's outfit in the chicago show <laughs> is i know incredible like i've been waiting for this moment from the the trailers i've been waiting to see mm-hmm. her like kind of show up like this and it really like it fully floored me when she came out it was such a certified florence <laughs> walsh moment like, I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> the way she moves, like the way I want. Where do I get that? Like that's what I'm asking. Like where do I get it? Um, when they finally, even though I will say, like the crowd shots were a little overwhelming for me. Like definitely Uncanny oh, Valley, yeah. but like oh, yeah. I was also so relieved that they were finally showing crowd shots because before that they'd be like just talking out into the audience and you'd hear the sound but you wouldn't see them, so yeah. it kind of would take me out. So I really, enj- I was at least, I very pleased that they finally kind of said, oh, like, there are people out there. On? When they brought Simone out for tour and she sang oh, The yeah. River, I was like, where do we get this version? <laughs> right? Like, she's so, I mean, I just love Simone. And I I was, like, yeah. really pleased to see her singing with Daisy on tour. Like, I was really in that. The scene with the band vamping. I like this is the specific scene I want to this was the specific scene I wanted to point to when it comes to this episode like this is where the things really shined for me because it was like you, they had this great onstage chemistry they're introducing everybody you kind of just kind of you kind of see I think it was the first time we saw a lot of their onstage dynamic or at least the way that the audience the way that fans in yeah. this show see daisy jones in the six i completely agree yeah and it made it more real for me like this entire show we're getting a lot of behind the scenes stuff and like from the 90s and then like these shots of them as they're going through the motions but we never get to see their stage presence a lot like to the extent that like they're super famous at this point and they're playing a lot of really great shows so when we finally get that it's like oh like i see i see that i see the clout i see like the interest in them yeah um yep I kind of wish they'd sold me on that before we dove into a documentary about it, but... Yeah, because I feel like what, seeing them on stage at, like, at those performances, I was like, oh, they're a band! Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And they seem like they're having a great time, and then you almost forget what happens yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah, it really fucked me up. It really got me going, in the, in the best way and the worst way. But I do want to hear what mm. your second peak was. Oh, my second peak is just the fact that Warren was just vibing the entire time. I love an unproblematic king, you know? Really? And much like Mick Fleetwood was just vibing on the drums during the 1997 Silver Springs performance um, in between Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks just staring at each other and staring each other down. Mm -hmm. Warren was just vibing the entire time. And he, like, he dated a movie star, and did he end up marrying her? Is that who he he ended up marrying? Yeah, he did. Or no? Yeah. Yeah, he did. And, like, even when you cut to, like, his interview clips, he's just like, yeah, that stuff went down. Mm-hmm. And I was there too, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And he he falls in love with this woman, and he like ends with having a family with her. I did think his uh, kids were creepy. They kind of gave me Shining Twins vibes. Yeah. But other than that, he was he was just vibing the whole time. I don't know. Like I just. I just love that he, like, he was kind of fun to watch because, like, he wasn't, like, the main focus, but, like, every time he was there, I'm just like, 
what's he doing oh he's he's just he's having a good what's time what's he doing back he's there like, <laughs> he, he, what's he doing back there oh he's drumming like he should nice good for him like he was like i want to be in a band i'm in a band it's very successful and that's it he is the only person who did not get involved <laughs> with anybody and it was great it's crazy th- to good think about him. because his i think his real life counterpart doesn't really exist you know like there's no there's no one in Fleetwood Mac who was just vibing. <laughs> like, True, yeah. The drama was so unreal. And I feel like just to see this guy that's like, yeah, I had like a full life and I married a movie star and I'm fucking cool. Yeah. And I didn't end up sleeping with Stevie Nicks. And um, <laughs> I just, I really. Did Mick, wait, wait, wait. Did Mick Fleetwood sleep with Stevie Nicks? I thought it was. Really? I didn't know that. After her and Lindsay Buckingham broke up. Um. Which is like kind of. Cool. I, I really don't know a lot about. If I could all give you like drama. a PowerPoint <laughs> of like, if I could give like a PowerPoint like diagram of everybody who slept with each other in Fleetwood Mac, it would look like a bowl of spaghetti. Is what I'm realizing because <laughs> yeah. like everybody yeah. was so mutually involved with each other. I feel like that's why I like Warren though. Is he's kind of like an outcast. Like he's kind of just the guy that was vibing the whole time, and I like mm-hmm. kind of respect that because I feel like you don't see that a lot. <laughs> um and like i loved i also felt like he was just i mean for everything that was said in the show that was kind of like sexist on his part earlier in the season i feel like he was the most base toward the end because when eddie's like bitching and moaning before the show like oh like poor me i don't want to do this anymore i want to be more out of life and warren's just like yeah bro like this is your like what do you mean you want more out of life you're in a band you play for millions of people every night like what's wrong with you you know like the yeah. way he kind of like takes the piss out of him really got me because he was just kind of like what are you going on about like this is literally it like we are so fucking lucky and you're just like, sitting over there like oh like i don't want to put me you know so i was just mm-hmm. really i loved Warren in that moment i was like you know what you get him and then Eddie was like, well, maybe I just want more out of life than you, Warren. And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then it ends with Eddie being like, yeah, I play at, like, clubs sometimes. It's like, ah, <laughs> How does it feel to lose? Um, <laughs> if my first peak was, like, the way that they presented that first concert scene, then my second peak would probably be how surprisingly emotional this last episode made me. Like, oh, yeah? I don't know if it was because it was, like, 2.30 in the morning in the, in the, the tubby tub <laughs> of my iPad, but when uh, Sam Claflin cries as the crowd sings Honeycomb and runs to, she, he finds, he runs to find Camila, that really fucked me mm. up. Like, I don't know. Oh, like, yeah? I feel like he's an, I really feel like he's a great actor, so when I was, oh, 100%, like, yeah. watching, I was like, oh, my God, this is kind of, like, this is kind of sad, like. I think it's just he has a great crying face so yeah I was like I was like he was like crying and I was like crying myself and nodding like oh like good for you yeah and then get her. when we first see Julie I burst into tears like more so than the book honestly because it was just so emotional and overwhelming to put a face to a name and to like see her and to have her look so much like both Billy and Camila yeah um, she really did and to, like see her face for the first time and like the look on her face is she like it's these stories that her parents are telling her really like kind of fucked me up um really kind of fucked me up it's gotta be so wild to like interview not only your parents but like the woman that your dad was like kind of involved with and then get all of that (laughs) story like I remember reading the book and being so shocked I literally was I was cleaning my house and I was listening to the audiobook and when it like stops and she's like wait i remember this i was like what yeah you were there yeah. <laughs> she, you find out she's julia i was like oh my gosh she's julia this entire time like i thought that was so cool i loved the whole ending of that like that reveal and but then i started thinking about it i was like oh my god like you have like your dad like telling you these things and like mm-hmm. daisy saying all these things about your dad and mm-hmm. how they were in love like i cannot imagine ever like i would just wouldn't want to hear it i'm like no 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 it's just my mommy and my daddy thank you i can't that's so funny because i i feel like we grew up in a very different place at like uh households because my parents are always just right. like very like oh yeah yeah i was i was like really high off my ass when i was like at this concert and like yeah your dad was too and like oh yeah like we got in a huge fight afterward it was crazy and like uh you know like there was so they just like kind of like I don't know they my parents literally talk like this to me so I was just like 
this is it <laughs> this is i feel like, like if you were that's the parental experience i feel like if you were i feel like i'm the thing that surprised me is i think from the perspective of the parents it, it would be i think it part of me is like okay i get it because if you grew up in a household where your parents are like super open for open with you like mm-hmm. then this is just how it is like this is how you talk to each other but then um it was interesting to me because i think julia julia julie has a very unique position of both being someone that your her parents might be more trusting to speak with about mm. their past experiences but also more yeah like uh on the fence because they want to present a story to their children that makes them seem somewhat redeemable so like it's possible that even worse things happen that we don't know about yeah especially that's why i like the whole unreliable narrator aspect because like i i really don't think billy would have like i feel like that's half the reason why you don't get the full truth from billy's side because he is talking to his daughter and i think that he's one to be like no yes i don't want you to know this or oh i'm just gonna bend the truth a bit so that you don't know yeah but meanwhile she's talking to camila still and daisy and everything so and in that sense i feel like the reveal in the book is also not just a reveal of who she is but also like what each member of the band is actually saying and how yeah like the weight that each person is is has on on like how willing they are to tell the truth about what happened Mm-hmm. but that's all just to say i burst into tears when i saw her and then <laughs> when we learn about camila and she just the, she adjusts her wig in her final like interview video i was like Wah! like i really <laughs> i was crying so hard um yeah. and it just it was like so good to feel something you know after seeing <laughs> half the show and being like oh what is going on so to get to the end and still have like a, a very emotional reaction to everything was so like comforting for me because it, it felt like it aligned more with what I know from the book and my experience reading the book so it was just nice it was nice to lose it at the end and not have that experience I'm happy you did. <laughs> be kind of like I don't know um thwarted by how much I didn't necessarily care for this adaptation um yeah but I feel like I guess that would be my peak, my second peak, and then I have some sporadic additional peaks. The tempo of Regret Me in episode nine made way more sense to me than it ever has because it was so much slower than mm. the uh, version on Spotify. Um, it was like a live playthrough, so that's probably part of it. But it was just. Like, maybe not actually live. It isn't. Like, they're probably still, like, obviously they're still yeah. um, using, like, uh, pre-recorded songs. But the tempo was just so much more under, like, it was just so good that to yeah. the extent that I was like, oh, okay, now you got it. Like, you guys you guys figured it out before the end of the <laughs> Where season. Where was this ten episodes ago? Good job. Because then I'll say it again, as I did before, I think that these songs are probably in part corrupted by how fast they're being played, and they're not meant to be played mm-hmm. that fast, and you'll never hear a tempo like that necessarily in, like, a Fleetwood Mac song or a Civil War song, so I feel like... Yeah. And it's also interesting, I thought about this a lot after I learned that, Mon- Mar- Mar- after I learned that Marcus Mumford has, like, a huge role in helping to bring this music to life. It made sense to me that the mm-hmm. tempos are so fast, because if you listen to Mumford & Sons, yeah. like... Little Lion Man, that's a that's a quick song. Yeah. She moves. Yep. She moves. Um, <laughs> all this to say, I still love Marcus Mumford. I actually just saw him the other day live at the Taylor Swift concert, and he is obviously like so talented. So no, no hate to him, Marcus. <laughs> I liked the way that Camila knew what was wrong with Karen just by looking at her eyes. I feel like that was a great yeah. testament to their friendship, like that they could mm-hmm. say so much between each other without saying a word. And I feel like that was a testament to how they how they connected in the book. I want to shed light on a, on a, a, a couple notes I wrote, a sequence of notes where I was like, <laughs> and this was, I think, end of episode nine, Daisy and Billy are playing, they're friends. I go, I truly think they were at their best when they liked each other. Like the band sounded better. Yeah. I personally yep. felt less stressed out. And then when shit goes off the rails in episode 10, I was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess that's that. Never mind. I think that says a lot about their dynamic that they both pick up cocaine and alcohol again when things fall apart for them both in relation to each other because it just goes to show how bad they were for each other yeah (laughs) yeah when teddy makes his smoothie in 
the end of episode nine that's a real mouse moment like just the, <laughs> and he's like making this smoothie. i was like wow that's totally me like every morning making my smoothie yep i honestly came away from these episodes on kind of a high surprisingly like not so much episode nine but episode 10 really like yeah. got me going like i kind of walked away from that think i think when i think back on the show i will probably tell people to just watch episode 10 because i just found it the most <laughs> That's what my dad did <laughs> interesting and like thoughtful i was thinking about that like is if your dad was interested in episode 10 would he be incredibly disappointed if he went back and watched like the other nine episodes i wonder he told me he told me that like he he kind of got the gist of it he like <laughs> that's enough for me <laughs> episode 10 gave him all he needed to know he was just like wow they're kind of a mess huh exactly i feel like it does <laughs> yeah. though i feel like there's a lot that happens in the book that we didn't get to really see until that last episode that last episode yeah. is such an it really encompasses the entire book for me because i feel like a lot of what happens before that is just like a lot of fucking around yeah because there was a couple times where he asked me questions like like when there's like a moment of with uh graham and karen in the elevator like he asked me he's like is she not pregnant anymore i'm like yeah it's a whole thing like there's so much like layers to it and like just within their own relationship but because he was just like did he not want that and i was just like i can't get into it right you're now just, you just you're gonna have to be there i'd say read the book yeah <laughs> read the book jason read the book yeah well you know what he's gonna do he's he's listening to our podcast that's what he does even better because <laughs> Even better, honestly. <laughs> Sorry, Taylor Jenkins Reid. We need that number. So. <laughs> <laughs> we took that audience number from TJR. We got him. <laughs> we got my dad. <laughs> but, yeah, it was kind of interesting just to for him to have, like, one episode and it be the last one just to get his takes on it. And he was like, yeah, I kind of got, got the gist. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that being said, um, I wish I had it as an emotional response that you did to the episode because – I, I did it and I wish I went I wanted to but um I think I think the book was more emotional for me as far as the ending goes because one of my values is the fact that they didn't like they played honeycomb but they didn't like do it in the way that happened in the book where like they changed like she sings the lyrics the correct way mm-hmm. like the way that Billy originally wrote them and it's like the first time she's done it mm. like the entire time and it kind of like to me in the book, it showed, like, her being, like, okay, I accept the fact that, like, it's always going to be Camila, and we should never have been together or be together, and, like, she's choosing to let Billy go and go her own way, to paraphrase a Mac song, but I really like that moment, because it was just kind of, like, a subtle way to be, like, this is never going to happen, and that's okay, Mm. and, like, I didn't mind Billy running off to Camila in that moment, but I don't know, I just, I felt like there was so much emphasis on changing the lyrics in Honeycomb Mm. that, like, when she changed them back, it it just made me go, oh my gosh, Mm. this is crazy, like, I really like that, like, that little way of storytelling so i was a little bummed that we didn't get that i was also kind of bummed that like it was julia remembers seeing billy and camila and not daisy and camila oh yeah because i feel like what the i didn't really get with the show is that camila and daisy like they had a friendship it just felt like it was more of like you're the other woman you know oh, and i didn't yeah. really like I how so they agree. yeah i didn't like how they handled that in the show where it's just like they weren't friends at all um except for like that one moment in like episode five <laughs> or whatever it was yeah. like it was always like no i want billy and i want billy you know <laughs> so i that's why i liked in because in the book it wasn't as dramatic as like how billy and daisy were together because they really weren't together it was just that there was all like these big feelings happening and like again i don't even remember i don't think they actually well she kissed him and i think it only happened once that but we i know couldn't of. remember that correctly that we know of yeah that's the thing it's like like you don't really know <laughs> i don't know i think just the, with the way i interpreted their relationship in the book it was completely different in the show but of course the show's gonna like kind of emphasize more on like the love triangle aspect of it mm-hmm. um which i wasn't the biggest fan of so i was kind of sad that i was like ah she doesn't remember seeing daisy as like a friend to her mom mm, yeah like i don't know i, I kind of i was wa- i was i've been waiting for that moment and then it didn't happen and i was like ah okay. and it would make That's, so okay. much i think for continuity purposes it would make so much sense that daisy reveals so much to julia 
if yeah. it were better emphasized that that Daisy and Camille were friends. Like it would make sense for Daisy to be more vulnerable for more vulnerable with Julia. Yeah, because in the book there's many moments where like that Daisy shares with like Julia like when she's a kid and like Julia like really looks up to Daisy and wants to be like Daisy. And there's a couple throwaway lines like that in the show, but mm-hmm. you don't really get the sense that they had a relationship when Julia was little. I agree with that. And that's why that moment was so big in the book to me because I'm just like, oh my god, like this is the girl that you saw grow up and you know had a little connection with when she was little and like that's why I love the reveal so much. And then here it's like, why would Daisy tell Julia this if yeah. she didn't really interact with her all that much? Yeah, I agree with that. So like big time yeah so those are those are like my main big valleys um a couple small ones were um as you mentioned the uncanny valley crowd (laughs) and they also just kept saying they kept showing the same shot of the crowd of them yeah it's like this one shot they use like five different times okay (laughs) yeah like (laughs) um and then um i (laughs) i didn't like when daisy and billy made out because i was like no that's not that's that's not how I wanted to go. Also, the way who was it who just like left the the guitar on the sidewalk? Oh, was it Graham? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because like he like looks at he comes out he's holding his guitar case. He looks at the bus <laughs> and then he doesn't get on the bus. He just leaves his guitar on the sidewalk. And I'm like, are you just gonna leave your guitar on the sidewalk? Yeah. Like, what's going on? Yeah. I was like, that's expensive, dude. What are you doing? Yeah. Some of the some of the directions for movement in this show yeah. are hilarious to me because it's like because it's dramatic. I think back to Eddie like walking out, seeing Billy, and then running away. But then also abruptly admitting to Billy that he f- kind of slept with Camila like five yeah. episodes later without any shame. It's so funny. <laughs> it's yeah. So funny. It's like, which one? Which which is Who it? are you? <laughs> uh, yeah. So what were your valleys? Um, I think the pacing of the show really, and I say, I feel like maybe I wouldn't care about this if I didn't have a whole book to reference that had better <laughs> pacing. But it's just the fact for me that Everything that seemed very important in this show kind of happened at the very end. So, for example, I feel like Daisy going away to Greece, I feel like that should have happened way earlier, if at all. Because it was just for her. That was like literally last week that that happened. And that's a little overwhelming. And it could just be like the release schedule is a little wonky because you're watching like two to three episodes a week and everything's kind of moving at like this weird pace that's. Yeah. Yeah. But I just kind of felt, I felt like very, I don't know. I felt very much like I wasn't keeping up with things that were happening or like I was just super bored all the time waiting for the important things to happen yeah um, yep. so for example I really could not tell you anything that happened in this season beyond maybe Daisy having um a potential overdose on the bathroom floor and Simone going to New York and I think that's it for me like I genuinely cannot remember anything <laughs> that happened before that and then everything that happened in episode 9 is kind of a blur for me, but everything that happened in episode 10 is, like, very much cemented in my head because what happens in yeah. episode 10 is literally, like, 25% of the book at the very end. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, you're so right, though, because I don't remember anything from episode 9. No. And like, I couldn't tell I you a thing about episodes 1 through I, 4. I know it started with Gold Dust Woman and Nikki leaving. <laughs> I like pause to think of who Nikki was. <laughs> I was like, and he, but then it's like Who's he, Nikki? but it's confusing because he already left. Like he left at the end of the last yeah, episode. Wait a minute. So I'm like, wait what a minute again. What are you doing? Why did he come back? Why did she wake up and he was there? Yeah, it's confusing. After he packed his bags, left, and he was like, I can't be here. And then after she was fine, he like came back and was like, oh, Hey Daisy. Do you want some more cocaine? Wild, <laughs> if so. But, yeah. like, wow. Like, I feel like they missed a part where they showed us him coming back. Otherwise, it was just kind of like, wait, did he already leave? Or it's like they forgot. They're like, 
Oh, shit. Where's Nikki? In the- we need Nikki in the scene. What did we do last scene? Ah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll make it work. Either Other than that, I have, like, a really hard time critiquing this book because I find that with these book-to-show adaptations where um, it's not a direct adaptation, but it's yeah. taking a lot of what happened, it's immediately disappointing to me because there isn't a focus on the source material as much as there should be in your head. Like... Right. But it's also just like, I have a really hard time interpreting this book specifically because it is like an unreliable narrator's book. And to take something like that and, and like make a show kind of canonizes whatever the show creator's interpretation of it is. So that's crazy. Um, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, because it all depends on your interpretation of the book. Yeah. So, of course. Like, who whose word do you take over whose, you know? Right. Like, I, I feel like when I. When I watched the final scene, I personally, I really liked that Daisy sings Honeycomb by herself while Billy leaves mm. because for me it was like, okay, this entire series, I had this expectation that it would conclude with them singing Honeycomb together because it's being asked for by audiences. And then when it doesn't yeah. end that way, then it ends with Billy leaving and her singing it by herself and kind of taking hold of her career it and her, her life. And, and I, it was just – it was. I kind of liked it more than I thought I would. Um, But at the same time, I feel like it is hard for me to let go of, like, Daisy changing the lyrics and that interpretation of things. So I think if this had been done independently without me looking at the book or knowing the book, I would have loved that ending a lot. But because I've got the book in my head and I have this expectation of how things are supposed to go, I'm like, oh, hey, that's not what I wanted to happen. So, and I found this, we're reviewing Shadow and Bone right now, too. I'm finding the same thing with Shadow and Bone. I'd like to think maybe I'd really mm-hmm. like the Netflix adaptation if it weren't for the books, but the books exist. Right, yeah. So thus I'm like, hey, don't do that to oh, my yeah, characters, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I also felt like Simone's backstory was kind of, like, pushed off to the side at some point. I mean, in the book, that kind of happens, too. But I feel mm-hmm. like it was interesting to me in episode nine, they had this great setup where they were like, okay, so Simone is going to leave Bernie so that she can start her career um, because of how widely unaccepted queer relationships are and because Simone is seen as a queer woman by the public and like that could be a big compromise for the record company. You have all this set up, mm-hmm. but then at the beginning of episode 10, Simone's like, yeah, I just didn't do it. After we get this whole yeah. scene with her leaving Bernie with a suitcase. And I was yeah. like, huh? Like, I want more information that it seems like in episode nine, Can they I were like it? ready to talk about it. And then in episode 10, they were like, just kidding. And that's annoying to me. Cause like, that's a great subplot, like being, and it's also interesting to me because like given, the way that, and with no spoilers, but given some of the source con- like the source material from Evelyn Hugo, it was interesting to me that they didn't really like dive into Simone and Bernie's uh, relationship and Simone's conflict at the end of the season more. I felt like they just kind of sideswiped it in the end, and that kind of pissed me off. Yeah. Overall, because this whole show is Fleetwood Mac adjacent, and also kind of like. A, a, a loose adaptation of the book. I think it was hard not to be set up for disappointment. I think yeah. I, I think if we came into this without having read the book, it would have been different. But I also feel like the book, if you haven't read the book, you should read the book. And the book really, I think, is the superior medium to receive this story in. Agreed. Those are all of my valleys for <laughs> yeah. for the for this series. Since we're doing this, I guess, uh, what Fleetwood Mac song... <laughs> Does the finale remind you of? I I would say go your own way. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> because they literally all did. They did. They did. <laughs> so that was actually, and I think I'm just as just for the viewers, but that was originally a song that Lindsey Buckingham wrote about Stevie Nicks, and that was kind of his response to some of her songs on Rumors. And I think that's really funny because for most of my life before I knew that, I've always thought of Go Your Own Way as like a really fun like road trip song. Like, I'm going my own way. I'm fucking going. But then when you actually read the lyrics, you're like, oh, that's a big fuck you to Stevie Nicks. And then mine was I Don't Want to Know, also from Rumors. um, Oh, yeah. Which is another one of those songs where it's like it has such a catchy, bouncy, like, I don't want to know. You know? And then you actually listen. like (laughs) You listen and you go. Oh, oh, maybe I didn't want to know. <laughs> maybe I didn't want to know. 
one of the I think this is like a bridge in the song but it says finally baby the truth has been told now you tell me that I'm crazy it's nothing that I didn't know trying to survive oh you say you love me but you don't know you got me rocking and reeling hanging on to you um I like how I just read that super monotone and quickly but um (laughs) I just I think it's a I really recommend listening to this song I also recommend watching the Paul Rudd SNL skit it's where he they're like at a business meeting and they're like trying to discuss business and then the song keeps coming on the the radio and they keep stopping and dancing because they're like oh I don't think I know that one (laughs) like whenever I hear this song I immediately think of that it's so funny um oh I'll have to watch that after this this is funny (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. So what character would you let sleep on your tour bus? Oh, yeah, I forgot. That happened in episode nine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Coming back to me, I said Teddy just because of his little mouse moment uh, in episode Yeah. Nine. I just love when he's just, again, the blender scene. I just, and he's just looking kind of out into the distance. Like, that's memeable. Very funny. And then, like, an honorable mention for Julia because I feel like yeah. her role and, like, the way that she fits into this story is so interesting to me. And I like that we get a creative expansion on, like, Billy and Camila and their experience as both photographers and musicians because then you have um, this beautiful girl that they've had together that is now a documentarist and is like now telling her own stories yeah. because it's like because I don't know like you hear about the kids in the book and the how the book starts and how the show starts you think oh I wonder what's gonna happen to them I wonder what they'll be like because you know nepotism yeah. babies have fruitful and <laughs> uh infinite ways that they could end up and so for Julia to go on and be a documentarist is really in a filmmaker was really fascinating and then also to have someone like Riley Keough playing Daisy who is the granddaughter of Elvis is really yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. a double on a double entendre and like really cool and fun um how about you um i said simone teddy and camila oh uh, yeah because they're three characters who i'm just like if anyone deserves nice things it's you three real yeah <laughs> because simone was just trying to have a like you know start off her career and be successful while also dealing dealing with all of daisy's bullshit yeah. um we got teddy who's he's in charge of the band basically and is also putting up with all of their bullshit to yeah. get everything going and have his career be successful and then you got camila who's just trying to support her husband and get his band going and, and like gets daisy to join the band and little does she know that daisy and billy are gonna you know get together and billy's gonna cheat on her and do all these things and it's like they're all just trying to be nice to people who screw them over so i think they could all sleep on my tour bus (laughs) with a silence (laughs) (laughs) caitlin who is a character that you would uh punch in the face for sleeping with your wife every man in the band except for warren who is always just vibing yeah, yeah, he's just like persistently. Yeah, because Graham kind of sucked uh, towards the end with how he was when he just told Karen like, "You're always gonna be alone." You know that. Right? Like, <laughs> like, Dude, okay. Just stop. And so what? What if you she know? is alone? Maybe she likes being alone. Fuck you. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Like, not everybody has to be in a relationship or have a family to be successful you know so he really pissed me off at the end billy pissed me off for so many reasons um mainly just by existing (laughs) and eddie was eddie so you know but warren he didn't do jack shit yeah warren's just vibing i respect him for that he's just vibing what about you i feel like i've never had like in i've never i never have a problem with graham in the beginning of the book in the show until we get to the point where where uh karen decides to have an abortion because he just goes Mm -hmm. batshit like he's like we can get you a new keyboardist like the 1970s misogyny really shines through here actually modern misogyny because i know men like this but like the (laughs) fact that he is just so like oh like give up everything for this baby like he wants this baby so I've bad. Decided. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. ridiculous to me, and I I feel like I couldn't be more relieved that Karen got out of that. It's really sad because, you know, it's not you could love someone so much, but then when you get in a circum like in specific context, they could hurt you so badly. So that really broke me, and it made me think. Oh, Eddie, I think also just like annoys. I fucking I just can't like, I truly like there's a place in hell for people like eddie like he's just so unbearable like 
oh my god like I knew people like this in college who it's like every they just don't know how to have a nice day they just don't know how to have a nice day everything is an inconvenience for them they have never smiled before in their lives like and I I think when I think when you are can't be grateful for what you have and can't like dedicate to yourself to things without like always competing with other people um your life will be a pathetic outcome and you will have a pathetic life and you'll never reach your true potential because you'll be so focused on everybody else and comparing yourself to everybody else that you don't actually accomplish anything for yourself and I feel like that's Mm -hmm. kind of what happens to him in the end and I just like kind of like think that's hilarious so um (laughs) good for him uh and then yeah I said I think in terms of just like some of the little tiny pieces, the CGI crowd also scared me. Like They were terrifying. Very yeah. frightening. <laughs> I remember watching that and just getting this sense of, like, uncanny valley. Like, oh my god, what is going on? I don't know if you've ever seen this, but people will do, like, AI picture generation online now. And I keep seeing these ones from this one account that's doing, like, the Hogwarts after party. And then it's just, like, pictures of, like, Ooh. different like, the actors from Harry Potter, but they're, like, morphed into, like, very Hogwarts-esque situations, and I keep seeing the same picture over and over of Alan Rickman as Snape with, like, a low-cut black shirt and black jeans, like, having a drink, and it's so uncanny, but it's also kind of hot, so I'm, like, really stuck. (laughs) I mean, like, fuck Harry Potter, Um. but... (laughs) I'm really stuck. Like, I'm kind of in a demented place because of it, but that's exactly what this reminded me of. You're, like, stuck, like, Dobby stuck on a glue trap? Because that's the only Harry Potter content I got. Oh, yeah! (laughs) See me in the street, walking by yourself. (laughs) Yeah. It is so good. I love, I love stupid trends that make... There's no reason for it, but it's just it just catches, and it's just the same picture of Dobby stuck it's in a really glue trap with Hamilton playing on the background. It's just the slide of the same picture over and over again, and then there's fan art of it, but it's like presented as like fan art I drew of Dobby <laughs> stuck in a glue trap. And there's something about that the way it's phrased. The real question <laughs> becomes: What do we have to do to actually get J.K. Rowling stuck in a glue trap? Yeah. That's the real question. Anyone needs to be stuck in a glue, glue trap. I feel like if we put her outside of, like, I don't know, uh, like a like a, like a a very wholesome and wonderful, like, drag story time at, like, a bookstore, like, we just put, like, a glue trap out there, she'd show up to protest and it would be... <laughs> she'd show up. It would stuck. be, yeah. We'd, we'd be settled. Um, <laughs> like, or, like, we got a him. giant sign that says, free lunch for TERFs! <laughs> She's like, oh, I'm a TERF! I'm coming! <laughs> Yeah, and then you walk into the lunchroom, and it's just a whole ass glue trap. It's just a glue trap. So that, and then I agree with you, Lauren and Lisa's twin children. I was like, what are they terrifying? Why are they like that? They're just the way they were just again stage direction or like show like I guess movement direction in the show could be like could you show them like smiling? They're yeah. both just standing there, aloof. Yeah, I feel like like the poor girls didn't know what to do. Staring. They were just like, well, just stand here. And I don't even know, did they know that the camera's on? Because they were from The Shining in that moment. I was like, hello? Hello, Warren. <laughs> We'd like to play a game with you. Um, Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Very horrifying. Caitlin, where did these last two episodes fall on your tier list for Daisy Jones and the Six? Well, first, let's, let's remind the audience of what our tiers are. Oh, yeah, so our tier list is for Daisy Jones and the Six at the top we have made me eat all of my drywall and the accompanying nails made me mentally ill affectionate neutral like my pH balance made me mentally ill foreboding and at the very bottom we have Riverdale Core. Riverdale Core. I, I gotta put it at neutral because I, I don't hate it but I also didn't love it mm-hmm. and like I really I think my high, expectations were high for the end and I was just like kind of like meh on it Right. Um, this whole show kind of, in general, is just kind of like mid for me. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't a bad adaptation, but I didn't love it. And like, there's a lot of things that I felt like didn't work with it, but it was still, it was a good show. Mm-hmm. I just was it I though? Won't... <laughs> was it I, a good I, show? I don't know because like earlier when you were like talking about um the pacing and everything i remember that it took them three episodes to get daisy with the band yeah and 
there was like a lot of setup and that's when the show really picked up for me was when Daisy was finally like singing Honeycomb with Billy and that was at the end of episode three. Yep. So I feel like if they just like maybe didn't like do as much setup in the beginning and then like had more time to play around with Daisy going off to Greece and then the whole like more more stuff with the band all interacting together, more with Camila and Daisy interacting, I feel like it would have worked better. Yeah. Um, and again, it's 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 got to be hard. It's one thing to adapt a book. But when you, like, have a book with so many unre- unreliable narrators, you don't know exactly what's the truth. You just kind of have to, like, pick one to yeah. represent and show as, as seemingly what the truth is. So I'm sure that had to have been, had to have been hard. But also I, I, an, a, another reason why I don't really like the show all that much is because they played into the whole love triangle trope oh, between yeah. Billy, Daisy, and Camila. And I really, I really didn't enjoy what they did with Daisy and Camila in that sense because they just I don't know Camila like she wasn't the Camila that she was in the book that I felt and um, she just saw Daisy as um, her enemy which like rightfully so if someone if your husband's cheating on you with somebody and that someone knows that he's married then like yeah i would be pissed at them too but like it was it was so much more complex in the book yeah and there were so many other layers to it and i just feel like that didn't translate at all yeah to the show so neutral yeah i think How that's fair i think i'd split them i'd give episode nine like a neutral i i didn't hate episode nine i think i enjoyed it i remember thinking when i was watching episode nine oh like this is this is actually like kind of good and then I'd say mm-hmm. episode 10, I probably would give, like, mentally ill affectionate because I did genuinely feel like I finally had a connection to that show at the very end. Like, mm-hmm. and I felt like that final episode was probably the closest in terms of, like, I don't know, the the feelings that the book gave me. So that was maybe the, maybe the most I've ever resonated with the show. I think overall, though, I would completely agree with you that the show, I think in terms of an, ad- an adaptation, wasn't the best. So yeah. I would probably put it closer to uh, mentally ill, uh, foreboding or Riverdale yeah. core or neutral, because yeah, just like down at the bottom of that board someplace. Because I do really yeah. think it's hard to live up to the book. The book is very very good, and I have no idea honestly how they're going to adapt Seven Lives of Evelyn Hugo. Given that again, it's one of those books where it's like, are they doing that? Yeah, they're adapting it. Oh, they're adapting it for Netflix. Oh, yeah, scary. I know. Is that scary? <laughs> but get HBO in there. They're the I only know. people I trust at this point to do adaptions. Because I do, I really feel like I agree with you that it's as simple as that. <gasps> Camila in the book is not the person that Camila is in the show, and that is a little bit not not frustrating, but like not even. I don't know if it's, it's even, frustrating. Like disappointing. Like. Because yeah. I feel like the vibes that she gives off in the book are so, like, fascinating. And I I think that if you want to make the argument that the people in the book were unreliable narrators and thus we can expand on that story in the show, mm-hmm. okay. But, like, why? <laughs> like, why, why not just <laughs> yeah. keep it very similar to the book's interpretation of what happened Keep because vague, because yeah. if that's the case then we could interpret each scene we see as being like a recollection of one of the band members instead of it just being the truth um yeah and it would be more understandable like so there's that and then I also just I think that there are small things that really took me out like some of the yeah the crowd CGI like some of the lines were very I I want to say badly delivered Tropey. Almost. But like, yeah, like not great. I feel like um, there was there was just something kind of like kitschy about this show that I didn't really feel like, in the book. So I felt like they changed some things because they're like, well, the audience won't like it unless we do this. Like with the whole Daisy, Billy, Camila thing, it's like, oh, we should make it so that Daisy and Billy are like definitely together or like. It's a love triangle because that's what the audience likes. And it's just like, I don't know, trust your audience to have, like, deeper 
connections to the to book, yeah. these characters, and like, and like, when I can tell that a show is making changes because they're like, oh, because we want the audience to stay engaged, mm-hmm. or oh, they won't see this coming, or here's all your favorite scenes from the book. We're gonna do it like this, but not in a way that's correct because they just aren't paying attention. I don't know. It's just like you're pandering to your audience in a way that is like almost demeaning to your audience it's kind you know what I'm trying to, I don't even yeah it's kind of you know lazy I feel like it's kind of yeah. lazy it's very like it's not I want to say hot yeah it's like very Hollywood I think it's it's very like it reminds me of like fast fashion I don't know why like it reminds me of like when you take something from Dior and then it's and it's you know a very nice dress and then you make a dupe of it and then you force a bunch of small sweet children to mass produce it in a factory someplace and then Mm -hmm. um some white girl from the u.s buys it and they're like this is it this is my dr dupe and then they make a tiktok video about it where they're like hey guys i found a dupe for this dr dress and it's from shein and then everyone in the comments is like please stop buying from shein and then she looks at the tag and the tag says help me please i'm a child who made this um because that's what shein tags say now um, so I know this got really personal really fast, but like, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like it felt kind of like an off brand of what the book was trying to say. And mm-hmm. very, I would agree, very Riverdale core, like, you know, so yeah. I would agree with you there, but well, the highs and lows of books being adapted to screen. <laughs> Truly. And and speaking of books being adapted to screen, this isn't the only book adaptation we're reviewing right now. We're also taking a look at Netflix's Shadow and Bone, which is an adaptation oh, of yeah. the trilogy. Um, plus the duology, the Six of Crows duology by Lee Bardugo. So you should go check that mm-hmm. out if you've enjoyed listening to us complain about this show. Um, there's more <laughs> complaining to be done. Uh, <laughs> The complaining oh, yeah. doesn't stop there. <laughs> it doesn't stop here, baby. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. We have other uh, really great um, reviews on our YouTube and our Spotify. You should check us out. Yeah. Like, if you don't want complaining, we did reviews of HBO's The Last of Us and Our Flag Means Death. So yeah. there was no complaining done there. <laughs> we, don't have a, we don't have a bias toward HBO. It's fine. No, not at all. <laughs> I, well, uh, I think the only... The only bad thing I have to say about HBO is that they're um, they're not per- like giving me any more information on the shows that I watch on there. I know. Where's the PR team for HBO, girl? Like, <laughs> who, how do I know when something's coming out? Like, honestly, I don't. I don't. The only I knew about Succession yeah. season four like a week before it happened, and I was like, <laughs> when? Hey, by the way, where was this? I mean, like, where was this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and if you can hear in the background, Honey has her complaints as well. Honey's like, meow, meow, meow. I want to watch Succession. <laughs> <laughs> I want. What are we starting Succession, Caitlin? No. <laughs> Soon. Soon. <laughs> All right. Well, that's gonna do it for us. Tune into our other content, and as always, um, stop adapting things please stop <laughs> stop remaking things stop adapting things stop trying to take my Come money up with something new i have had enough <laughs> i've had new ips enough all thank you yes <laughs> say or do something original please please and thanks bye all right bye